0: you're listening to the hockey podcast network your home for hockey talk covering every team in the nhl new episodes every monday download at the hockey or wherever you get your podcasts from this is the leaf sky podcast here's your host Jim Taddy.
1: Well, thank you, Mike Ross. and Welcome, everybody, to the Leafs Guy, Episode 18, Season 2. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun will stop by in a spirited conversation about the Leafs win Monday night against Carolina and what projects for the trade deadline and a spirited yes-guy-no-guy no guy with Terry to end things off. Before we get there, consider this. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds, and either team bet just $5, and you get $280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your area, no worries. Play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action, and it goes just like this. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds. And either team bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. The promo code is THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56 eligibility restrictions apply see DraftKings.com for complete details all right let's go down this road can I convince you can I plant the seed Toronto against Carolina on a Monday night in early February could actually be a hint of what could happen in the conference finals in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs could it happen Oh, I think so. Will it happen? Well, we're going to see. There's a lot of teams that get in the way of that storyline. But it was an interesting game. It had a playoff feel to it, even though the building at Scotiabank Arena was totally empty. I think there were 500 people there allowed in. Uh, COVID restrictions have sealed the building off to a full house or even 50% of a house. So that was a factor, but it didn't deter the play that we saw. This was a game that, as I said, had a playoff feel to it. The Leafs responded time and time again to a really good, fast Carolina team. Interesting goaltending matchup. Peter Mrazek for the Leafs, formerly with Carolina, and steady Freddie Anderson for Carolina, formerly with the Leafs. And both Really look good. So when I tell you that the Leafs won that game 4-3 in overtime, you're going to say, well, the goaltending must have been suspect. Absolutely not. This was a punch-counterpunch game. Carolina did things. The Leafs responded. Carolina did things. The Leafs responded. And if you're a Leaf fan, you're going to be pretty happy with the outcome. So here is our conversation with Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun. <laughs> Terry, that game on... Monday night was like a playoff game. Leafs went 4-3 over Carolina. In overtime, it had some good ebbs and flows. What I liked about what the Leafs did in that game was they found a way for their best players to respond at the right time. They were ebbs and flows. They didn't like the first period for the Leafs. But in the second period, Matthews took care of things uh, when the game needed to be taken care of. And again, uh, in the third, Marner did that. I kind of like how they did it.
0: Yeah, it was. I thought it was a playoff-type game from start to finish, Jim. There wasn't much room in the in the first period at all. I think it opened up a bit in the second to the Leafs' favor, of course. And as you say, Matthews with the two goals, propelling them into the third with the, with the lead, and you know eventually the win. Um, but I think there's just a lot of good things to take from last night. Uh, the, the Leafs, you know, we're not surprised now that they're competing with the best teams in the league, because they are one. But yeah. they, they they beat this team, this Carolina team that. Everyone across the NHL has a ton of respect for. You see what other opposing coaches say about them, of the, you know, more or less the consensus is they're, the, they're uh, setting the standard for that high level of play this year. And uh, the Leafs were full, mar- for full marks for the victory. Started in goal, Peter Mrazek. He was excellent, Jim. I thought he, you know, with Freddie Anderson coming in. Freddie looked for the, th- for the first period, looked unstoppable. It's one of those nights you're watching thinking, okay, is Anderson so locked in here and he has been all year for the game. So the Leafs aren't getting getting anything by him. That of course is not how it turned out, but I thought Mrazik was really good and, uh, you know, save for save, kept up with Anderson. And then by the end emerges as the victor. So it starts with him, you know, defensively a few hiccups, but guess what? In a tight playoff game, you're going to get some of those as well. You're not going to get through a series without making one or two. And uh, yeah, the, the Leafs recovered nicely. Like you say, Matthews and then Marner. You know what, Jim? That the high end goal, I mean, that it's such an odd play, right? The, the yeah. big rebound like that, Marner's all by himself. You know, he, Marner was saying after the game, you, you know, that he's been a bit lucky or the line's been a bit lucky, but I made the point to him, you know, you, you create your own luck. And it was a smart play by him on that goal. And then he scores in overtime. So a lot to like. Uh, I don't. There's there's no reason to look at any part of the game last night and be, uh, you know, nitpick. I think it was a, a solid win start to finish.
1: It was. So just on the goaltenders alone, I think the way to sum it up is for Freddie Anderson, to allow three goals in regulation and one in overtime is very noteworthy because he mm. had he looked like Steady Freddie last night. He looked the way he did when he was with the Leafs. And yeah. for Morazic to allow three goals, not a big deal. I mean, he uh, that doesn't that doesn't tell you about his performance. You saw him uh, battle on, on saves and, and fight through things. He's he's not the, the tidiest goaltender in the world. But if you see that that sort of edge about him when he's fighting through things, I think I think that's his calling card.
0: He made the saves on the most difficult shots. Yeah. What he really did. And, you know, the, the, the first Carolina goal, I mean, I don't know who stops that. That's a, it's a heck of a deflection on, uh, you know, who scored the goal, uh, meter rider, meter rider, right. Yep. And Brody not tying them up perfectly and Keith kind of noted that after the game. But again, these things are going to happen. You're playing a hell of a hockey team, but that deflection, I mean, I don't I don't know the many goalies stopped that. And, uh, yeah, the D'Angelo one of the being in the third wasn't great, but I, I just thought Mrazik, uh, For all the talk about him, Jim, and and it's going to continue because it is still a really small sample size for him, but for all the talk coming in about, you know, getting back on track and he started to do that a bit before the break and staying healthy and all that, he's going to have to keep doing this. He's going to get more playing time uh, through February, March, and April. We know that, but uh, you have to really like what he did last night. There were no no nerves or anything else about playing his old team and all this sort of thing and and the pressure that might come with that. He just went in and did his job and did it admirably.
1: Well, let's talk about those two goals you mentioned, because I think they are uh, sort of indicators as to how important the the, the Leafs effort was and execution in that game. So the Niederreiter goal to me is the result of good zone pressure by Carolina. And they did that with regularity in the first period. Right. Um, they didn't have that kind of a setup, but but that was the end result of them really exploiting the Leafs in their own zone. So so you, you look at that goal and go, there could have been a couple more if the opportunity had presented itself but having said that, the Leafs worked through that situation and were much different in the second period. So that that's one thing to note of. The, yeah. the D'Angelo goal is a deflator. And quite frankly, so is the Stepan goal that, that that makes it 3-2 for Carolina just because of the plays. One's a shot very early in the period to the, to the far side, and the other is a defensive miscue that you know, Hall doesn't really recover. And, and Stepan is, is allowed to gain position on the Leaf defenseman right at, at the top of the crease or at yeah. the side of the crease, which, which shouldn't happen. But that's that happened, you know, as I said on, on the broadcast uh, on Monday night, Justin Hall doesn't have an exclusive on that. You see NHL defensemen make that error all the time, but those are those three goals uh, in, uh, on another leaf team would have been a reason to lose. Mm-hmm. They've they worked through all of those situations and that's the most impressive thing for me.
0: Well, you use the word deflator on the D'Angelo goal. Guess what? Yeah. Least one. So yeah. you're right. Uh, in the past that, that probably is that perhaps Carolina, nails it down and scores one more for insurance and goes on to win the hockey game. Well, it didn't happen. And the Leafs got themselves right back up. You know, eight seconds in, Jim, I mean, you're barely sitting down on the bench and you're looking up and you're seeing your team get scored on your, your shoulders will sag for sure. But if, if, if it happened physically for the Leafs, it didn't happen mentally because they, they again came back and did good things the rest of the period. I think in the, in the last nine minutes of the third, when the Leafs scored the, the Marner goal, I think the shots on goal were like five or six to two for Toronto. So they did some good things toward the end. But yeah, I mean, the whole, the, the, whole, the step on goal, that was a weird one. The whole last track of the puck on on the uh, you know, on the advance by the Carolina into the uh offensive zone. Turned one way and the puck was the other. Uh, you see those things happen every so often. But you know, the fact of the matter is Carolina, they did have their chances. The Leafs had theirs, uh, but Mrazick was there. And again, when you're playing you know, when you're playing a team like Carolina, you know that they're going to get those opportunities. You can be the best defensive team in the world. You know they're going to get them because they're so good themselves.
1: Yeah. I mean, so the way yeah. I analyze this is from here on, and because this is the stretch run for me, you yeah. know, crank up the analyst this way. But what do you do when the game's on the line? So with the game on the line really was the first time that happened was in the second period. And Austin Matthews uh, gets that the power play goal later credited with it originally given to Nylander, and then gets his uh, second goal of the game on a beautiful uh, face-off draw play where he mm-hmm. sort of backed into some open ice and just buried it to the far side. So there's a good response there. Now you're down 3-2, and you find a way to tie it, and you find a way to win in overtime, and sprinkled in there is some some timely saves uh, by... Uh Marazic, as as he, you know, there's a breakaway by Aho in the second period. There's Absolutely, two or yeah. three other saves that, that are very important to what happens. Otherwise, the floodgates open goes the other way.
0: Yeah, there was a the glo- there was a nice glove save on someone too, and I can't recall who it was, but that was an eye-opening save. And uh yeah, he, he again, you know, he knows he's under the gun a bit here. He knows that, you know, this is Jack Campbell's net, and I know the Leafs keep talking about. Having a tandem gym and everything. And, you know, Keith kind of mentioned it. I can't remember if it was before the game or after. Uh, uh, during, during after the morning skate. But, you know, talk about getting back to that. How they haven't really had that opportunity this year because of Mrazic's injuries and this sort of thing. And then COVID and all that. But, um, you know, he did what he is paid to do last night. He's getting paid well by the Leafs. We can't forget that. So, there yeah. is a bit more of a heat on him there. But... You know, it's funny. I mean, you go back a week or two before the break, there's already talk about what the Leafs do with Mrazic in the summer because they have to re-sign Campbell and all that sort of thing. And a lot of that is so premature in my mind. Uh, It really is. I don't think we could even get to that sort of territory yet. Let the man go do his job. He's doing it well right now. You know, I um, I, the Leafs, I I don't have the schedule in front of me, so I don't think I have a back-to-back coming up. Really soon, I guess a couple of weeks, Montreal Columbus, but I would, I would imagine that Mrazick would start started to before that, and uh, you go from there. But again, part of coming, like you say, Jim, part of uh, keeping yourselves the rudder going, as Mike Babcock used to say, staying on the rudder, uh, is you're going to need those saves from your goalie when you are down now. So, not only does not only do the leaves come back from the deflating D'Angelo goal, or what could have been Mrazick does as well because that wasn't a good goal, yeah, right. And here we are at the end, you know, there's uh, Marner scoring the goal in overtime and the Leafs beat one of the best teams in the league.
1: Yeah. Without Matthews, because he hurt that uh, knee in the back of the head and I don't know how long he's out, but. uh...
0: Well, it just, you know what, Jim, just mentioned that too. You see your best player, one of the best players in the world go down in the final minute, you pick yourselves up and you go in. Yeah. And, 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 you know, listen, the, the Leafs have a lot of talent, obviously. But you know, missing uh, Matthews during 3 on free play is a uh, a bit of a dagger. But didn't matter. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. So since you brought it up, let's let's talk about uh, what will happen at the trade deadline. March twenty-first is right. when it is. So over a month away. Probably if we did the quick math, what is it? Six weeks. Well, five and a half weeks away. So sure. so so let's do the uh, let's go through the scenarios here because the cap space. Is, is somewhat limited. Um, you already talked about, you know, the goaltending situation, Now people get ahead of the curve on that. And yeah. quite frankly, my attitude on that is that's something you decide when your season is over, because right. there's a lot of things that could happen that mm-hmm. could sway your decision. And you're already sort of backfilled with Morazic long-term if you want. If you don't, there's always there's always a home for a goalie of, 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 uh, of the caliber that Peter Morazic is. And if they, you know that's down the road, but in terms of the rest of this, mm-hmm. uh, you know there have been some some hints sprinkled out that that maybe the lease might do something that we're not thinking about in terms of it might it might not be a band aid, but it might be have long term effects. There might be some commitment on on who they acquire. What's your read on all of that?
0: Well, that's Dubas's mo, right? Yeah, it, it was his mo when they acquired Jack. or sorry, Jack Jake Muzzin. At the end of January of uh, what 2019, he had years left. Uh, Jack Campbell, of course, acquired from the Kings. Same sort of thing. So you're not expiring people on expiring. Con- sorry, you're not acquiring people on expiring contracts. We'll see where it goes. I mean, the Leafs have a few things to think about. You know, we're talking about not getting ahead of the curve, Jim. But right. we have to take that into consideration when we look at what's likely going to be another flat cap next year of $81.5 million, and if it does go up, it won't be by a lot. You know, maybe at 82 or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, at least have some players they are going to have to sign, Campbell being at the top of that list. Uh, you know, I think the indications are Ilya Mikheyev won't be in Maple Leaf once the summer is done, but I would like to think that Leafs will try to resign him. Yeah, there are a few RFAs as well. So I don't know how – as much as Dubas in the past has, has acquired – you know, term at the deadline, I mean, I'll be curious to see how far down that road he goes this time around. Um, You know, he said the other day to us, he is a little bit more open to acquiring people on expiring contracts because you don't have to, obviously don't have to worry about them after this season, but uh, you know, it depends on what's going out. If we're doing the match, it looks like, you know, the Leafs would have roughly a million dollars at the trade deadline, which is not nearly enough to acquire a player of significance at that point. I mean, if you're if the Leafs are going to be serious about this and making a run, you have to have you have to you have to acquire someone who's going to come in and th- you think is going to make a difference for you. Right. But if yeah. you do that, then what goes out? Do you do you want to want unload a Nick Ritchie contract at two and a half for next year? And I, I'm sure the Leafs would dearly like to do that. But does that mean you're adding a, a high draft pick to sweeten that deal for another team to take that contract? You know, you don't want to get too far down the road of getting getting rid of a lot of picks. And, and Dubas has traded quite a few in the past. But again, as he said to us, we're in win-now win, win now mode. So I'll be curious, Jim. It's, it's six weeks of uh, what I think is going to be, you know, some intensity for the Leafs game-wise. Obviously, we saw that last night. Um, the, one, the one little thing I, I don't necessarily agree with what Dubas said to us on Sunday was, you know, finding out what a full roster is capable of. We know what it's capable of. He knows what it's capable of. He built this. They've they've lost eight games, Jim, since losing to Carolina at the end of October. They've They've won 28 of the past 36. That's not with a full lineup. The Leafs aren't going to suddenly start losing hockey games. You know, if Jake Muzzin comes back against Calgary on Thursday and they have a full lineup, again, we don't know what Matthew's status is, but they know what they have. And it's just a matter of, you know, how big of a trigger do you want to pull before March 21 and how, how are you able to do that but as we sit here today six weeks out Jim I'll be pretty surprised if you and I are talking after and at least haven't done something of note because they've got great depth at forward right now we see that that's why they win all these games you want a depth defenseman perhaps but in a perfect world they're probably looking at the top four but how do you make that work when you don't have a lot of money to do
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the tricky thing. So I I think we'd zero in on a top four defenseman um, and all this is uh, based on a totally healthy Leafs roster. Um, And and so, you know, that's kind of a tricky thing because I I firmly believe, and we'll get into this as we move along, that Sandin and Lilligren will advance nicely uh, as their career progresses and they'll be the three, four guys at some point. The question is when, and, and, and then the question is, like, that's a slow fade on Muzzin, which, which is a natural occurrence. Um, and so you're you're looking at somebody who comes in, plays with Muzzin for, I want to say, the next two years. And, and then that, that other transition should take place. Mm-hmm. So there there would be some term on that individual's contract. But the scary thing about what I'm describing is anybody could probably come up with a name and a salary, but it has to be the right fit on the ice. That's pretty darn tricky.
0: Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I guess the one bonus this year, not only for the Leafs, but for everyone else, is that you have a much longer r- runway between the trade deadline and the end of the regular season. Like, you, d- you didn't have it last year. As, as Dubas yeah. noted to us, you're acquiring guys, they're going into quarantine for 10 days or two weeks, whatever it was. You know, Nick Foligno being a good example, not a defensive, of course, but comes in and, and really isn't able to make that impact like we thought he would and then gets hurt. So, you know, the Leafs and other teams don't have that barrier this year to cross. Uh, once the trade line, line comes and goes. but So I think there'll be enough time if they do acquire that type of player that, that he could find his way. And Jim, let's face it, if the Leafs are able to get a top four guy, then that then right away that tells you he has the ability to adjust and become that remain that player with the Leafs. That guy is not going to fall off the map because he's trying to get used to quote unquote a new system or playing with a new partner. If you're a top four guy, I would like to assume that you have the brains to make that work pretty quickly, and if not, certainly before the playoffs start. Because as we know, like we say, March 21, April 29th, there's a lot of time in there to get it done. And that's assuming that the Leafs would get this guy March 21. Maybe Dumas makes something work in the first week of March. He he got Muzzin ahead of the the deadline a few years ago. Same thing happened with Campbell. So that has been part of his M.O. as well, that it's not right on deadline day where you're getting these guys. You get them a few weeks out, give them more time to adjust. I don't think that's gonna be an issue when and if it happens.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I just think that um uh, you know the only the only flying the ointment for getting the guy earlier is how he fits into the cap, but but I'm sure smarter right. people can figure that out. And let's assume that they do that. Let's just go down that road and, and play that scenario out. If they bring that guy in who's a top four, mm-hmm. and, and you're convinced that Sandine and Lilligren are the five six guys, and I am, then that there's two bodies there that don't fit. There's Hall and Dermot. So well, I, I don't know, I don't know that they get traded for this guy. Yeah, but there are there are excess parts there if if you can find the guy.
0: Well, if you can find the guy and he has term, then I'm assuming a guy like Dermot or Hall is gone. Yeah. Or you both. Know, he, or it could be, yeah. But again, you don't that's that to me is a risky deal because you don't know for sure that Sandina Lilligren can take three rounds of playoff hockey. You don't know that. I mean, at some point they'll have to find out, right? Because we we won't know, but Maybe that's a few years down the road. I just, that's a lot to put on them, I think, to expect them to be, to be um, you know, above average in that type of environment. And they would have to be for the least to move on. I mean, you can't rely on your top four. As you do, you know, the best playoff teams are the ones that have the success, Jim. You know, you're not only rolling your lines, but you have six really dependable defensemen. Um, but we'll find out. Uh, Sandina Lilligren, the next little while here, I would assume, we will keep getting, you know, some more minutes against better players. Um, you know, even if Muzzin does come back on Thursday against Calgary, it's a super competition for those guys. But, you know, it, it's a tricky thing because you're also assuming then that those 6D, you're avoiding injuries. And if any one of them gets hurt, then boy, oh, boy, Dermot and Hall would have looked awfully good as, as depth pieces. And now, yeah. you don't have, now you don't have that. Now you're looking at an Alex Viega or Carl Dahlstrom who really haven't played with the Leafs this year and saying, okay, go help make this work.
1: Or maybe you get somebody who's on an expiring contract for not much, but you know, that, yeah, that's, that's all, all dicey yeah. stuff. I still think it's predicated on, on um, Sandin and Lilligren being the five, six.
0: Well, yeah. And, and you know, and Kyle said that to us, Duba said that to us, right? Like, you know, they're going to get another a really, like if you're those two right now, you're looking at this going, wow, RGM just came out, not pressure, but RGM has said, okay, he's looking at us saying, let's see what you can do. And I, I'm, I'm thinking that you know both of them, Sandy probably a little bit more because he has more experience. But both of them have that pedigree. I mean, the first round picks, so you know they do. Yeah. Mentally take that on and make it work. But you know we'll see, Jim. There's going to be hockey every other night. These guys are going to get tired. How will fatigue play into it? Or there are a lot of factors going to come into it. It's a lot to put on the shoulders of young kids. But you know the Leafs have the confidence that they can do it, and uh, it's on the on the two to uh, to prove them right.
1: Okay, so one more thought before we dive into yes guy, no guy. Uh, the Mikheyev situation is, is a tough one. He's at 1.645. Yeah. He's uh, going to be a UFA. He's going to want term, and he's going to want commitment of money. I, this is the, this is probably what, what bothers me uh, about where the Leafs are, is that they get the older guys that, that they brought over, a number of these guys over the years, so European players that are are their entry-level contracts are, are lighter um, and then when you, you come out of that, you, you get, you walk into it. In other words, what I'm trying to say is they're, they're, you don't get a real good look at them and then they walk into a higher money category and, right. and that's where he is then. And, and I think he's a great hockey player and on the right fit, he's top six on another team. He might be on this team eventually, but he's not. And, and it's just, it's sort of a conflict of where he's going and where they're going. There's a fork in the road.
0: There is, but you know what, the way I see it is you have to keep him. You can't trade him. He's too valuable for
1: you. Oh yeah, I'm just saying the well, resign. The resign is. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't,
0: Jim. I, I think the my from the way I see it, the indicators are he's not coming back. Yeah,
1: well, that's a tough one.
0: It is a that, tough. That's one. a tough loss. It is a tough loss. But you know what? Again, we're not talking about a. Um, let's be let's be honest. We're not talking about a core player. We're talking about a player who is close to it, but he's not. He, he's not a Matthews. He's not a Tavares. He's not a Marner. He's not a Neal. No, 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 he's not. I, I would think that if Mikheyev is gone, and like I say, I think he will be, um, Dumas will find somebody to replace.
1: Well, you could find exactly. another Mikheyev. I mean, they found him.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and, and let's face it, a bit of a diamond in the rough there because Leafs have not had very good uh, fortune with the people they brought over from Europe. I mean, really, it boils down to Mikheyev and Nikita Zaitsev and in well, the 12 they brought, so... I'm not saying he has to be replaced by someone else from here or anything like that, but I just think that, you know, if mikhaev has gone, uh, that'll be solved. And, you know, as we kind of alluded to, the bigger concern will be getting Campbell's name on a contract anyway.
1: Yeah, it's just it's a slippery slope when you bring o- over an older player because the entry level contract isn't as long, yeah. and then they step into a, another money category. And in this particular case, one point six four five isn't huge, but the next one will be. The yeah. next one's going to be three to four, maybe even over four for a number of years.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what? I mean, uh, I guess in, in in the Leafs defense, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't, as no one else did, have a prediction of what was coming when they initially signed McKeough. If everything. Oh, yeah, no, the- if everything's normal, yeah, if everything's normal, the money's there. If you if we're talking during normal times, the money's there because we know the cap would have gone up a lot more. Remember, Jim, two weeks before the pandemic started, or or put the season on hold. I mean, what were they talking about? A salary cap for the next season of 87, 88 million dollars.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it was always oh. going up. It's like the it's like the yeah. the, the the limit on your visa bill. It,
0: right. you know, up. It. But <laughs> you no, know, the fact is you still have all of those pieces all of your core pieces already under contract. So that would have been found money for you. And then, you know, you're not worrying about Campbell perhaps or, or Micaiah, but this is where the Leafs are. And, uh, you know, um, all, all the best of a He does move on to another team. And the fact is now he can help them.
1: Yes. Oh, yes, he him.
0: can. So, you know, hang on to him. Don't trade him at the deadline. Keep him.
1: Yep. All right. Let's dive into, are you ready for this? Yes, guy, no guy. Yes, guy, no guy number one. The Leafs must be totally healthy. To what? Well, to do what they're going to do. And I and I'm not saying win a Stanley Cup. This this is a team that, that uh doesn't play well when it's not at a full roster. It it seems to be bothered by that. Other no teams guy. aren't like that. So so I'm gonna say they must be healthy. No guy. No, okay. I think Why'd they've say- not,
0: Of course in a perfect world you want that. They won't be healthy. We know that. They, they've won a lot of games this year without a full roster. Look where they are. They, they haven't had a full one. They would have, you know, we, they probably won't now. I, I don't know about Matthews, but, you know, Muslin comes back It looks like they'll be good for Calgary, but the way Matthews left last night, we'll have to see. But they've won games with people out. They won with Marner out. They got over COVID. Do you want a full roster to give you your best chance? Yes. Can they win without a full roster? I think so.
1: Okay, I think we're going to disagree on that one, but we'll see. Is is the great answer there. Right. Yes, guy no guy number 2, Mitch Marner is under the spotlight and he will surprise you with how he evolves the rest of the season in a positive nature.
0: No guy because I don't think it's going to be a surprise.
1: Oh, okay. So you are confident. I am I'm confident he's going to get there. Yeah. This is Mitch Marner. Yeah. It is. Not a surprise. Okay. Yes guy, no guy number three, Sandin and Lilligren will play a huge role in the Leafs' success this season. No guy. No. They'll play a role, but not a huge one. Okay. If they're
0: five-six, like we think they're going to be, yeah. that's what happens. It's your top four that are going to get you there.
1: Okay. Well, we're saying that before we know what they're going to do at the deadline. So I, I right. think they will. I think they're going to somehow they're just going to keep evolving. I really like that tandem. I like them individually, and I like the tandem. There's a lot of talent there. Yes, guy, no guy, number four. Both goalies will have a big say in what happens. It's not going to be one. It's going to be both. Yes, guy. Yes, guy. I agree. Yeah, yes, it's guy. it's sort of tracking that way, isn't it? It is. Yes, guy, for and, sure. And, and it's not a negative that it is. No, no, it's fine. Razza it keeps nope. us up. You're good. Okay. And here is the last yes, guy, no guy. Of this particular episode of Leaf Sky, the Leafs have less baggage than the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. No guy. Oh. Okay. Temp- we know Tampa's. Uh, what do you mean? I guess. What do you mean by baggage? Okay, so when people do this little handicap series on on these three teams, mm-hmm. and the Leafs are always sort of down because they played less games. But if everything was equal for me, this is the way I would look at it. Everybody recalls the Leaf history lesson of playoff failures. Right. Well, the well, Florida Panthers have no history of anything in the playoffs. And Tampa's won the last two Stanley Cups. I mean, do you assume they're going to win a third? That that would be absurd. Mm-hmm. I, so, so I'm going to say that the Leafs are at least equal to, if not better than, those other two teams with that kind of analysis
0: you i don't I don't assume or argue right now that Tampa would win a third cup. I don't think it'd be absurd if they do, and because they've won the past two, that puts them on top of the other two in that regard
1: I think we'll disagree on that. I would refer to k okay. c and the n f l that there's always that sort of um red carpet that's rolled out for those that have achieved and and rightfully so, but mm-hmm. it doesn't guarantee it's going to happen again. And I think that works in the least favor. And I think pa- the Panthers lack of any kind of success after the season is over the regular season, it just should be haunting them. There's no well, track record.
0: We, yeah, you're right. And I, But I guess with the whole Tampa thing, I would rather have that, the two cups and that red carpet and whatever you want to assume than Nothing for the Panthers, and really nothing for the Leafs, because they haven't got past the first round. That's what I would, if someone said to me, take if you're going to take the proof or the team that needs to prove, I'm taking the proof first, which is Tampa and two cups, and they're still a hell of a hockey team.
1: I, I think a lot of people go that way. I don't know what it guarantees, but I, I understand that that thought process. I just always believe that that those type of teams run into something really strange in the early rounds of the playoffs because. It's just their time not to win yep. as it was, as it was for their time to win. It's the opposite. Now people just don't see it.
0: Yeah, it could happen. But like I say, I just, I, I think that, you know, I put Tampa ahead of them right now.
1: Okay. Well, we'll end on that. hope everybody enjoyed episode 18 season two of leaf sky and come back next week for episode 19.